What's up, y'all? How are you? This is the Ebb and Flow Podcast. I am Eben Britton. It's so good to be with you guys on this magnificent day we have before us. Got a really excellent episode lined up for you guys. It is with the truth seeker, the... She's a total badass. Her name is Elizabeth April. She is... She does many things. She's very tapped in. Um, she is has a lot to share. This was a really fun conversation talking about consciousness, extrasensory perception, ESP. How do we tap into that? We talk about past lives. Really interesting stuff. She has a very fascinating story um it's a great one i'm i'm excited for you guys to listen to it um so a lot's going on a lot of good things a lot of movement a lot of evolution um stay tuned for that i know i said in the last couple episodes that i was going to be moving this podcast uh to primarily behind Patreon, but I've decided not to do that. Not exactly sure what I'm going to do with Patreon yet. My energy is definitely being drawn towards working with people in person, one-on-one coaching, corporate wellness programming, teaching yoga, teaching breath work, teaching meditation. It's interesting You know, um, at one time doing this podcast, creating content, doing that whole digital media thing was super effortless and easy. And it's become a serious grind, to be honest with you. And the, as always, I allow the universe, God, spirit to show me the way in my life. And usually that happens in very uncomfortable ways. And if I'm willing to pay attention and I'm willing to notice the signs and just take the information as it comes, the in-person coaching events teaching, all of that, is happening with a lot of peace, ease, and grace. And the content creation is becoming much more challenging. And so I'm in a period of reconfiguring what I'm doing. I will continue. The Ebb and Flow podcast will obviously continue. Um... But it's definitely going to be taking a back seat to what I'm doing. Um, And more on that later. But for now, got this episode. Got another episode coming down the pipe for you guys. Got more content coming always. Um, That's just a super great way to connect with people. And I obviously recognize that. So anyway, I just want to keep you guys in the loop of what's going on. Um... Yes. So 
My book is available, The Ebb and Flow, Basic Tools to Transform Your Life, available on Amazon. Check it out. That is the the quintessential, the cornerstone work of everything I believe in, how I believe we can clear away the distractions and get back down to the center of our truth, to our heart center, to the self. At the end of the day, what is more important than feeling your best and living a life of purpose? What's more important? I don't know. Nothing. I don't think. Living a life full of love and joy. That's about it. That's what we've got. So my book is available. I'm currently recording the audiobook. Look for that. Realistically, it's probably going to be available towards the end of May, early June. I'm recording that now. Um, you can head over to Patreon to join the Power Tribe. A lot of good content there. Meditations, breath work, morning routines, kettlebell and yoga workouts. Uh, at some point this year, I'm definitely going to crank back up the monthly gatherings over Zoom, doing yoga and breath work and hanging out with you incredible people. I love doing that. So stay tuned for that. If you're interested in more, Patreon is there. My new favorite product, Feel Free, the Euphoria Tonic, Bliss Tonic. It's an incredible product. I highly recommend it. Pain relief, stress relief, mental energy, focus, being in the flow. It's fantastic stuff. You can use Ebonflow40, code Ebonflow40 at botanictonics.com to get 40% off your next order of feel free. It's amazing. I can't say enough about it. This podcast is also sponsored by Bioptimizers, one of my favorite supplements in the world. It's Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. Incredible for toning your nervous system. Magnesium is a vital mineral for our well-being. If you have trouble sleeping, need something to amplify your recovery, look no further than magnesium. It's very important. It's involved in over 200 processes that the human body goes through to keep us well, energized, and alive. Magnesium, super, super powerful. So head to magbreakthrough.com forward slash ebb and flow. Use code ebb and flow 10 to get 10% off your next order. Highly recommend that. What else? You need gear? You need merch? Head over to higherpowerworkshop.com. Got t-shirts, hoodies, hats, yoga mats, all the good stuff. The ebb and flow quintessentials. Check it out. Join the power tribe. We love you, y'all. The Power Tribe is gathering. That's about it. Have an excellent rest of your day living in your highest greatness, standing in your truth with courage and strength. Enjoy this podcast, and I'll see y'all on the flip side. More coming soon. Lots of love to you guys. I'll see you soon. Love you. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source.
The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. What's up, peeps? It's excellent to be with you guys. So good to be here today. It's a rainy day here in Los Angeles, and I've got a very special guest, a very, um, I think it's very appropriate that it's raining here in LA the way it is. It's like a hurricane. We've got a very mystical guest, the truth seeker, paradigm shifter, Elizabeth April EA. It's so good to have you here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Very excited for our conversation today. Absolutely. So I think it would be good as we, before we venture into some of these topics that I'm super excited about, give my audience just a little, a brief background on who you are, where you come from, and what you do. Yeah, cool. So, um, so I was born in this life um, with extrasensory abilities. I truly believe that we all have extrasensory abilities. I believe that we're all psychic and we can all do many, many things. And I was quite aware mm. of those abilities at a young age, um, which included, you know, um, astral traveling, um, seeing past lifetimes, um, interacting with, experiencing ghosts and spirits, being able to feel energy from other people, read minds, see auras and chakras uh, from other people. Now, of course, I didn't have any of those words or labels or understanding of what I was experiencing. Um, and for most of the time, I felt very overwhelmed with the input of information that was coming through. Um, so that went on. Uh, my parents said that they noticed that I was interacting with things that they couldn't interact with at around the age of two. Um, and then, of course, I was the weird kid in, in school, you know, I was, I was the odd one out. I was definitely the loner uh, growing up. Um, so at around 10 years old, I remember that I wanted to really shut down those abilities. I just wanted to be normal. I just wanted to fit in. And so I looked around at my class mm. and I said, who are the popular kids and what are they doing and how can I do that to make friends? And it, it always came back around to sports. Oh, well, they're all in sports. Let's go ahead and do that. So I decided to get involved in pretty much every single sport I, you could think of. Volleyball, rugby, soccer, kickboxing. I mean, I did mm. it all and I was really good at it. And all of a sudden, you know, I started making all these friends. Um, so if you could imagine going from a very metaphysical reality, non-physical reality, to an extremely physical one. By focusing my intention on the physical world, I naturally shut down all of my non-physical gifts and connections. And that was really great. Um, but ar at around the age of 14, I had really heavy depression. I had really heavy uh, anxiety. I started to have panic attacks. And I believe that it was because mm. I disconnected myself from a really core part of who I am and what my purpose was. 
So at 14, I remember getting into high school and really asking these big questions. Who are we? What are we doing here? What's the purpose of life? And, you know, what is the meaning of all of this? And is this even real? And, uh, you know, I would go to authority figures. I went to counselors. I went to high school teachers. I went to friends' parents. I even went to a priest and said, all right, you're, you know, you're the guy, you're the, you're the person. So tell me, you know, what, what is this? What is the meaning of this? And every single time I was just met with completely blank stares and disappointing answers. Um, so at 16, uh, upon experiencing a lot of the mental health stuff and feeling very apathetic towards life and really just, I remember thinking, you know, if this is it, like if, if you go to school, you go to more school, you get into a bunch of debt, and then you lock in a nine to five job for the rest of your life, pop out a couple babies and, and that's it, then count me out. Like it was like the worst, <laughs> you know, plan of life. And I just wanted to leave. Like I was at that point. Um, so mm. it was my dad actually at 16 who said, Hey, you know, would you be interested in trying a past life regression? I didn't know what that was. Uh, but at that point I would mm. try anything to just figure it out. So even though my dad raised us Catholic and he was an engineer by trade, which is a very odd combo. Um, he was also very open, very much so an old soul and very spiritual. So he ended up taking, um, regression, past life regression courses while he was uh, in university studying to be an engineer. And so in an hour and a half at the age of 16, he took me into a trance-like state and I experienced about five past lives. And Your they were all did. past lives. It was my dad, yeah, who took me into that. Um, Wow. And so, you know, I was different genders, I was different races, I was different ages, I was in different places all around the world. But the common thread of me being able to gain access to information uh, and then relaying that information to humanity was that common thread. So some lifetimes I was a philosopher, mm. in some I was a shaman, in some I was a healer, um, but also I was a slave and I was persecuted for having this information and knowledge. But that regression taught me two things. One, reincarnation is real. Thank God I'm not just the 16-year-old that I see in the mirror. And two, time is an illusion, right? Because what is five mm. entire past lives in an hour and a half at the age of 16? If, if that's real, if I just experienced that, then that opened a whole can of worms for what else I could experience and explore. So I ended up... Um, taking my dad's notes from his regression book, and I copied them into my own notebook. And two years later, when I went away to university, i that's how I made friends. I would ask people in my class, like students in my classes, and I'd say, hey, do you believe in reincarnation? Doesn't matter. Do you want to see a party trick? Let me take you into a trans-like state. Let me take you into a past life, which was probably <laughs> like not the right thing to do because I was untrained. Like I was, you know, I had no basis whatsoever to do that. But I met mm. some really cool people and I started to be the outside objective observer for the lessons, the experiences, the life, the births, the deaths that humans would go through by being able to regress people, right, into all of these different experiences. And um, 
At a certain point in time, I started to realize that not everyone was willing to let go of their current state of reality to experience other states of reality. So they basically weren't able to be regressed. So I asked myself at around 18, is it possible for me to put myself into a trance-like state and explore your past lifetimes? And I started to do that. And all of a sudden, I started to get visions and flashes and lifetimes upon lifetimes and messages and stories and all of that coming to me. So not only was I experiencing my own past lifetimes to the point where I would pass a stranger on the street and we would exchange a smile and I'd be thrown into a past life where we were best friends or lovers or sisters or something like that. Um, so that was really cool. Wow. That was really awesome. And all of a sudden, my psychic abilities started coming back. Telepathy, uh, clairvoyance, astral traveling, remote viewing, lucid dreaming, all of that great stuff. Uh, and then a couple months after that, uh, I ended up going away to a 10-day silent meditation retreat called Vipassana. That was a practice that I did mm. in a past life. And on the second night of meditation, in the middle of the woods at the silent retreat, I was abducted by interdimensional beings. Um, now, at that point, mm. you know, I never really thought about the existence of aliens or life on other planets. Um, but that firsthand experience obviously opened me up to another can of worms that opened up. So then I started doing <laughs> past life regression and taking people off this planet. Where have you been before mm. in on another planet, in another dimension, in another body that's very foreign to us? Um, and that started my connection with the Galactic Federation of Light. And that was all back in 2010. Um, so mm. that's it's been about 10 years uh, since then. I'm 29 now. And uh, I've just been unpacking and exploring and deep diving and really understanding who we are, why we're here, what's what is the point of all of this and and where we're going. So that's that's uh yeah, my background in a nutshell. Wow. That's quite a nutshell. <laughs> 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 that is that's it's incredible. Um so much good stuff in there. I mean, it's all amazing and I, I'm totally it all resonates with me on a very deep level. Um, I want to go back to, there's a few things that are really, I think are really interesting and important here. First, I want to talk about this idea you mentioned that everyone has the capability or the ability to tune into these extrasensory, this extrasensory information. And can you, because I, I believe that as well, I, I, I would love for you to break that down a little bit for the layman who, you know, let's face it, many people in today's day and age, and I think we're experiencing this shift into expanded consciousness where people are starting to maybe not believe fully but at least are open to the idea that these types of things are a possibility psychic connection the collective consciousness being able to tune into 
the infinite eternal wisdom, intelligence of the universe, etc. So break that down a little bit of how are we all able or in what capacity or to what length are we all able to tune into this extrasensory information? That's a great question. So there's there's two there's two layers or two levels to this. There's a biological physical layer uh, of mm. how our bodies are pre predisposed to ha having those connections. Okay, and then there's mm. also a metaphysical level, right? A spiritual, non-physical level. So the energetic level or the spiritual level is the soul, right? We can just talk about the soul. All of those experiences, psychic abilities, clairvoyancies, clairaudience, I mean, all of the different labels for all of the different things are really truly us mm. just tapping into this vibrational frequency or the mm. astral plane or the energetic realm, whatever you want to call it. Now, we can simply understand that we are energy beings first and physical beings second. So it's natural mm. to understand and assume that, you know, because we're all energy beings, we can tap into energy. And depending on who you are, um, you process energy in a different way. So you might be really uh, empathic and really a feeler and you feel things in your body, whereas I'm very much mm. so uh, visual, right? So everything will come to me as a mm. visual in my mind. And some people are very yes. clairaudient and they hear things that other people can't hear and so on and so forth. I believe we all have all of those abilities, but I believe based on our mm. own vibrational frequency, there are some that are kind of louder than others. Um, as we raise our yeah. vibrational frequency, um, it means that the veil between the physical world and the non-physical world really becomes thin. And that means that more and more of our non-physical, energetic, spiritual abilities really come to light um, as we raise that frequency. And, you know, we, we hear about raising your frequency all the time. But to put it simply, it's to have a really, like, positive, optimistic, um, and appreciative right. energy, right? So the more that you're negative, mm. the more that you are the victim, the more that you really feel like this world is against you rather than you are creating the mm. world around you, uh, the more you're going to be stuck mm. in this world, in this reality. Um, so raising your vibration, you start to understand uh, in a non-egoic way, you know, I'm creating everything around me through my focus and my intention and uh, maybe I don't have the best job in the world, but I have water that I can drink from the tap. And most people around the world don't have that. Or I have, you know, a whole library on my phone based on the Internet. And 30% of the people in the world don't have access to that, right? Like, I think we're so not stuck, mm. but almost indoctrinated into the Western world uh, a lot of the times so that we don't actually appreciate what we do have, right? We take a lot of things for granted. And that small bit so of appreciation. Much. Yeah, so much. So much. Just, we take everything for granted. We take it yes. all for granted. You know? And there's so many simple things, you know, that we have. Um, so it's really like, what is your perception? Is your perception that the glass is half empty or the glass is half full? And based on mm. that small example of a perception, your vibration is either high or low. And based on your vibrational frequency, mm. you're going to perceive things a certain way. Therefore, you are going to attract the reality in the world around you in a certain way. 
So that's basically mm. the non-physical side of us having spiritual gifts and abilities and the perception that we need to be in in order to gain access to more of those spiritual gifts and abilities. Uh, and then the physical, the mm. biological. There's like two ends to this. One is like super kind of crazy, but I totally believe it because I've experienced it. And one is definitely more scientific. So the scientific end is we have this thing in our brains called the pineal gland. And the pineal gland releases a chemical compound called dimethyltryptamine or DMT. And DMT allows us to experience what I would call like the, the vividness of life, right? Colors, sounds, tastes, everything in our senses is actually uh, more vivid, uh, more pronounced when DMT is active in the pineal gland in our brain. Now, of course, we can also have a huge DMT rush from psilocybin or certain psychedelics in the world, ayahuasca. Uh, some people actually just take DMT and have that experience and get shot into the universe. I truly believe that through meditative practices, um, through, yes. you know, separating ourselves from distraction, we can release DMT naturally. I believe that psychedelics totally. and plant medicine is great, but it's not necessarily the end goal. The end goal is you realizing that you don't need any substance to get connected mm. with the universe. And I've released dimethyltryptamine or DMT. I almost do it every single day. So I know people can yeah. do it. And, and that's kind of that biological and kind of scientifically proven link for us to those other realms. And then my my last point here on this is, and this is where it gets super loopy and I don't know where your audience is at, but I'm just going to say it because I believe it. Um, I believe it that <laughs> I believe that there is a missing link in our evolutionary process. Okay. So like way uh -huh. back, like ancient Neanderthal type of, you know, homo mm. sapien, there's a link back there, right? That, that science just can't mm. figure out what happened. How did we evolve millions of years in just a couple hundred, right? And I mm. truly believe through my remote viewing, through my past life research and exploration, I believe that interdimensional beings are the cause of that missing link. I believe that they mm. came to this planet, they experimented on human beings, which they still are doing today, but they mm. helped us evolve in one way or another through their genetic testing and DNA splicing. I believe that they came in, gave us part of their DNA, and so truly, I believe that we are all biological hybrids of these interdimensional mm. beings. Um, and therefore, I believe that we all have gifts that are far misunderstood and, uh, and really suppressed. And I think that this is why some of the elites in society are quite actually scared of us. And this is why they really try and distract us and suppress our consciousness um, because they are scared of our capabilities. And uh, if you take a look at, you know, something called junk DNA, it's actually proven that we mm. only um, access or activate about 8 to 10% of our DNA in our body. Um, so right. the other 90 plus percent of that is called junk DNA. 
don't worry about that stuff. You're never going to need it. Right. But what if we did worry about it? Like, what is in that 90% of our DNA? I believe that through our conscious vibration um, and activating our own frequency, we can activate and unlock those DNA strands. And that also allows us to have some pretty incredible abilities. Mm. Oh, my God, Elizabeth, you're, I love what you're saying. <laughs> Um, a few things I want to hit on on the physical level. I stumble across this information, scientific information. I don't know a while ago now, but when I learned that the brain and the heart emit this electromagnetic field on a physical level, that to me was scientific evidence that when you come into contact with somebody, you are receiving information from that person. Uh, subconsciously, energetically, you're receiving information from that person because you are interacting with their energetic field. And this is something that's been studied. You can go and you can see that they've measured and the heart emits what is it? The heart emits an electromagnetic field that's like, I don't know, 10 to 100 times more powerful than the brain, right? Yep. And that was really fascinating to me in validating this idea of we're always in contact with extrasensory information. And even that to me is kind of a, a misconstrued term because that's only based on our western um materialistic view of what information is you know mm -hmm. you get it in a book it's something someone says it's something you experience etc the mind you know the mind information basically and our mind we know can only exist in the in the realm of the known it can only exist in the intellect what it's seen heard experienced read um and outside of that that's where your ego is constructed to keep us safe and out of out of this, you know, basically to keep us safe and to keep us alive and to, I don't know, help us identify with who and what we are in this lifetime and this role that's been, that means nothing that's totally arbitrary based on our culture and our family and all of that stuff. Um, but when you turn in, tune into the heart and intuition and this infinite, unknown realm that exists whether we like it or not whether we want to believe it or not it's totally there so that information on the physical level was really profound to me and even the fact that our bodies are built of billions of cells and it's all energy and it's all sound and it's all frequency and it's all just constantly blinking in and out of existence at such a such a incredible rate that we only perceive this stuff as being solid matter which is another fucking trip you know <laughs> which also through con through quantum physics is proven that this is the reality you know you keep going down and down and down it just keeps yeah. it's infinite you know um so that i really and i loved your description of the metaphysical and the physical um this idea of 
I just want to comment on some things you said because I, I really love I you're speaking my language so so beautifully and it's really fun for me to jam with you on this stuff. Um, this idea of because we're in this interesting time, right? Where this this mass spiritual awakening is happening, this this profound expansion of consciousness that I think we're seeing everywhere and you're seeing the people who are stuck and i did a post about this yesterday where because for the last like 18 months i don't know i feel like at some point i stepped through this portal and it's like i'm walking around the world and i see people locked in an alternate dimension which is really interesting (laughs) and to me what it what it looks like is these are the 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 diversion is seeing people who are locked in the fear paradigm and then there are people who are choosing to step into the love paradigm and these are really the two pathways that we are moving into and um I wanted to comment on that. And then, so as we're sort of venturing into this, this interesting, I don't want to call it new age spirituality, but it's just like this new, what what term would you use for it? Like this, this Um, thing that's happening where people are anchoring into their spiritual-ness you know yeah, what I'm it's, saying? Like it's, it's, it's becoming tough. like we. Yeah. It's it, there's so know, many different like, labels. You know. Right. I like I I like and the word awakening. That that really resonates with me. So this awakened age. Yeah. It's like awakened yeah. state of humanity. Yeah. Um. And the idea of plant medicine, and I love what you said about. Plant medicine, ayahuasca, psilocybin, all of these wonderful tools that we have available to us, which non-coincidentally, of course, are emerging into the mainstream ethos because we're in a total crisis of our humanity of being locked in these fear paradigms and the plants, which are just an emanation of the divine intelligence in our case, which springs from, you know, the divine mother earth or the planet that we exist on, um, are coming into the fold to tune us into our truth. And I love what you said about, you know, and and so on that note, there are a lot of people, especially in Los Angeles and maybe everywhere too, you know, there's people in Topanga Canyon who are doing ayahuasca ceremonies every weekend and still can't find their car keys. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's and it's not necessarily helpful. And this idea of being God versus being God from the egoic standpoint, because at some point in your spiritual process, we all come to the ultimate realization that we are the creators of our life 
And if yeah. that's too much for you, we can say that we are the co-creators of our life with the divine right. intelligence, one that we're a part of. But some people, you know, who are doing <laughs> like, you know, you kind of that that can be misconstrued and by a lot of people as well. And then it's like, oh, I'm I'm God, you know, I'm being God. And it comes through this ego prism rather than the the one with everything prism, which then validates them being an asshole or being aloof or, you know, being um, sort of like emotionally disconnected from humanity and their community and their family and i would love for you to speak on that difference because that to me is a big thing that reveals itself over and over again in the plant medicine community mm -hmm. and it's like this dichotomy between like because at the end of the day the plants are here to anchor us deeper and deeper into our heart truth they're not here to show us like that we're God and we sit on a, a spiritual high horse or a pedestal above everyone else, you know? And that's yeah, really this, this sort of separation because one, one pathway leads to oneness and love and the other pathway leads to more separateness and isolation or just, uh, you know, disconnection. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that, um, so I call it like the spiritual ego, right? Like it, it kind of drives uh, me yeah, a little yeah. bit crazy. Um, you know, totally. when I started to, <laughs> totally. uh, like have events and like speak at a young age, um, I found that I was either getting completely, um, <laughs> trolled let's say okay hated on by like the mm. very ultra religious communities because a lot of my initial lectures were like you know we create our own reality you know we are our own god and for a lot of the older generations who were brought up of like no 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 you, god is god is that right. and you need to respect him you know uh, and and you right. can't be that right. Um, so that like that was one dichotomy. And then the other was I would go to these events or produce these events and being very much so in the the drumming and the kind of very hippie woo woo, you know, spiritual yeah. communities like I would see, you know, people who show up and they're wearing all white and they're like. I'm right. wearing white because right, I'm pure, you know, and I'm a part of the oneness. And I'm like eat a fucking hamburger like ground yourself yeah. you know what i mean like you totally. need to just so there's a spiritual ego yes. too of of taking things way too seriously so you know people mm. uh, have asked me throughout the years like what do i believe is one of my greatest abilities like one of my greatest strengths like as someone who's really tuned in with the spiritual world and i say always mm. one of my greatest superpowers is being human because that's not oh, easy I love that. 
And it's, no. it's, it's easy that. to go to the 12th dimension and back. Why? Because we are naturally that. We are naturally energy beings, you know, when you get into that. But what's really difficult mm. is coming back into your body, paying your bills, answering the emails, dealing with your neighbors and whatever, right? Totally. So, you know, totally. my greatest superpower is being human. And I, I teach people mm. the balance of, you know, how to go to these places and access those abilities, but ultimately how to balance this reality and the next. And um, funny story, I I went to a, uh, like I call it a hippie festival. It's called a tribal gathering in the, like the jungles of Panama. Uh, and it was really mm. amazing. It was like a, you know, 10, 15 day thing. And there's like 60 different tribes that come from 30 different countries all over the world to share their ancient knowledge and wisdom and their plant medicine. And, you know, I've kind of mm. been there, done that with my own exploration uh, that hasn't resonated with me for a while because I can get to those places on my own. And I remember I was like sitting around a fire um, just on my own. Um, and this like chick, you know, sits by me around the fire and, and she's like, oh, I'm, I'm just so frustrated with the shaman. And I'm like, what? What happened? And I think she did buffo or, you know, they were offering everything <laughs> there. And you could tell she right. was like, obviously from America or like somewhere in the Western world. And she's like, well, I mean, the shaman told me that I was going to have an ego death and I did not have an ego death and I didn't get the experience that I paid for and I want my money back. And I just like, oh my God. So I turned to her and I said, you know, you can have an ego death on your own, right? What? Mm. What do you mean? Like, uh, I'm like, yeah, if you actually work at it and you recognize the identifiers that you're attached to and you understand the limitations of the rules and conditions you put on your own life, upon seeing that for yourself, you can choose not to be that and therefore you go Mm. into an ego death. And I said, when you... Mm move into when you step into plant medicine no matter what plant medicine it is with expectation and attachment that it's going to do the work for you and you haven't done any of that work yourself you're not gonna the plant medicine whether the shaman is you know bullshit or not is not going to do anything for you because you've done nothing for yourself she looked at me and she oh, walked away. So good. She's like, I've never been walked away from, but she walked away from me. And she I'm didn't like, want that. Oh, man. So, but that's the, I don't want to say that that's the general mm. theme of those communities, but I will say that I've explored the, the, the hippie communities in LA. I've done the drum circles. I've done. I've, I'm not, I don't, Mm. I'm not a part of any of that. None of that resonates with me. I've always been my own kind of lone wolf because it's like, once they find a teacher, a practice, a kundalini yoga session or something that they think is the connection to the truth, they stop their growth with that, with that teacher, with that plant medicine, with that breath work with the and I'm like why stop there you know go explore like find all of it you know or none of it you know go within use your discernment but you know and uh you know uh, just a part like you know linked with that is I went to Sedona and um you know everyone's like go to Sedona and sit in the vortexes (laughs) and I sat in the vortexes and instead of like asking for something out of the experience 
I tuned into the consciousness of the vortexes themselves. And I said, mm. how are you doing? Like, what's going on with mm. you? Right? These vortexes in Sedona, and they all have consciousness mm. and energy and vibration. And they're connected to Mother Gaia and connected to the source. And they said, you know what? We're tired. And I said, really? Mm. Why? We're tired because <laughs> We're fucking tired. everyone's coming to us expecting some sort of experience once again not showing up having done any of their own work and we're not doing it anymore the vortexes in sedona are actually shutting down because there's no nothing feeding them everyone's just taking yeah. and they're like wait we're not going to do this anymore we have to find that power we have to find the knowledge we have to find the strength Within, it's not a teacher, it's not a practice, it's not plant medicine, it's not a freaking vortex in Sedona, you know? Oh, uh, so good, Elizabeth, this is so important. <laughs> no, it is, it is, because I think, I think our Western culture, as we, as we unfold in our spiritual process, that Western conditioning inevitably kicks in where we go where we make the tool the god or we make the tool we yeah. make the mechanism or the person or the guru we make them the focus point and it's like no that's just a pathway to knowing that you are the guru you are the yeah. god you are the fucking truth you know yeah and that that idea of it when you're talking about the vortex and the consciousness of the vortex saying we're fucking tired as fuck because people just <laughs> keep coming here expecting us to save them and it's yep. like once again that old idea of the old sort of i don't know i don't know if it's a cliche or whatever it is but it's like no one's gonna save you but you you have yep. to save yourself we have to save ourselves. Like that's the only thing there is. And the only way we do that is to tune into our fucking truth, you know? Um I love that. It's so good. Um So this other thing that I really I really love what you were saying that I'm interested in. And and I really want to talk about past lives. Because I've had some really ex interesting experiences the last few years um, in regards to past lives. And I'd love to just hear your thoughts on it and reflect with you about some of it. Um, but this idea of the nine of the junk DNA and, and also I think linked to that is this idea of how we use like 10% of our brains as well. Yeah. And as a Yogi, you know, as a yogi, and I've been doing yoga since, you know, my mom started taking me to yoga classes at eight years old. And, um, you know, I come from this long lineage of, of witches and shamans and mystics. And, um, you know, and this is totally, my mom is a complete wizard. My, my father is in his own right as well. And uh, it's been a true blessing in my life. Because it's like, you know, it's everything. I've been gifted with a foundation of spirituality that is so rooted in 
in <laughs> in the truth of of my humanity and in in the truth of like the grittiness and spirituality spiritual process being a fucking the hardest road you can walk and it's not about you know disappearing from your life but actually about how you engage with your life more fully and you engage with the bills and you engage with the hard relationships and you fucking like that's where god is you know that's where totally. the rubber fucking meets the road yeah. you know and um you know as as a as a yogi being born into this family of yogis and witches and mystics and um and yoga being a very profound mechanism for me you know, and then I became a pro football player. And a lot of my spiritual path, my spiritual process came through my physical body, you know. And and so that really resonates with me about your story about how, because as children, we're so, we're born into, we're so in touch with the ethereal. And how that was just, you were, as a kid, you were sort of swimming in this ocean of, of energy and information and it was just natural but it was overwhelming because you didn't have the the context to understand what it was and then you you immersed yourself in the sports and your physical body and you made that the vehicle to kind of like get you out of it and then the anxiety attacks and I started having fucking serious anxiety attacks when I was about mm -hmm. 17 18 years old wow and I and listening to you talk about that that it, it resonates for me because I think I definitely turned myself off to a big part of myself. Yeah. And that's what the anxiety was a manifestation of. Um, yeah. But so turning on this 90% junk DNA, turning on the 90% of our brain that we're not using, I, I believe that and and perhaps you you have a you have some some more insight or some thoughts on this but i believe really the only way to do that is through meditation and through the or meditation at least is is perhaps the meditation chanting breath work yoga in particular because uh, from a physical standpoint, because the Hatha yoga practice is about getting the body into these postures and positions that activate our hormone production, activate our system and our nervous system in a way that aligns us to receive the divinity within or tune into our inner divinity, which is what yoga is truly all about. Um... And to me, that's how we access this 90% junk DNA, which I think is hilarious. You know, we've given so much credence to, to the, the Western medical paradigm because of, you know, these instruments that have essentially validated everything that, you know, the yogis and the saints and Buddha and all the, you know, all these ancient spiritual teachers have been telling us as part of the reality for for centuries you know 
<laughs> and then we look into a microscope and then it's validated that yes, right. <laughs> it is infinity, you know. Um, yeah. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Like, how do we like turning on or activating or making that 90% junk DNA or the 90% of our unused brain, putting it to use? Is it through these, these very basic practices? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And I, and I totally agree with everything that you you said as well. And it's funny how our backgrounds are so similar. And, uh, and I think that uh, a lot of kids go through that a lot of kids are going through anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And parents are, you know, totally. like, why is my seven year old having panic attacks, right? They have nothing to, to be worried right. about. But it's not about that. It's about them being presented with right. the physical world that they know is not the mm. only thing. And their parents are saying, this is it. This is the only thing. And that would give me a panic yes. attack, you know, if 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 I didn't know about everything else. And it did uh, in the past. So as far as like unlocking that DNA and our brain, um, I, everything that you mentioned, I would definitely agree with. Even things like certain dietary choices, you know, uh, can help oh. raise your vibration mm. and get you yeah. to that place. What I do want to say, though, is once again, like I'm kind of like the word that I would use is like modality agnostic. So I have explored all the modalities, mm. um, but I don't necessarily mm -hmm. attune myself to just one and say this is the truth. Because for everyone and their different yeah. unique frequencies, they need different things. What I always like saying is you yes. don't have to meditate for five hours a day to get to where you need to go. No. And you you also, you know, don't need to be a Buddhist monk in order to practice, uh, you know, disattachment or uh, discernment or separation mm. from distraction. So the problem that I find mm. is um, our brains, uh, our DNA, our capacities are being limited by the distractions of this world and by the programming yeah. of this world, of course. Look at look over here, politics. Look at this. Choose a side. Look over here, religion. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and choose a side and then hate the other side, right? I mean, um, even like right. sports teams. Like, I know you come from that background, but like... Totally. Uh, I just totally. went to a, a freaking hockey game the other day, and I'm not like I. I would much rather play the sport than watch it. I just want to say, like, I so wanted yeah. to be on the ice rather Absolutely. than just watching it. But um, yeah, I went to a hockey game and like, wow, the amount of super fans in America, like I'm Canadian. So like, I really get to totally. see this, like, you know, observe mm. like America, but the pride in it. And they're like saying the, the singing the anthem. And uh, it was, um, it was kind of a cult in mm. its own right. Not going to lie. Absolutely. But this, this, Absolutely. this pridefulness and the programming and the, the, sports and choosing a sports team as a distraction or as a religion if you're not religious you know i mean there there are all these paradigms that take us away from the oneness that is within so whether that is uh, mm. breath work for you whether that is 10 minutes of meditation a day whether it's sitting in a bathtub or going swimming in the ocean or journaling or laughing with friends we can find the mm. unity in certain places but if you're not asking to find the unity if you're not focusing your intention on finding unity and connecting to the wholeness of the universe you will never connect to the wholeness of the universe mm. um, and you will stay very limited so i believe that the really the main thing that it takes to unlock that and open it up is the awareness that that's what you want to do 
And to your point earlier, you said, you know, I think a lot of people are starting to to wake up. Um, and I think a big part of the awakening is questioning. It is questioning mm. what is in front of you is what's going to open the door to what's not necessarily in front of you. And what 2020 did was it took everyone in the entire world out of their everyday, normal, third dimension programming, their nine to five, their, you know, I don't know, their nannies and their cleaners and their whatever bullshit they had going on. And it forced people into making a change. And that change flips your paradigm, it flips your vibration, and it forces you to uh, go into a different direction, which forces you to question, which to a lot of people open them up. And to some people, you know, they're like, I just want to go back to to normal. And those are the people that, you know, uh, you know, are stuck in the 3D. So yeah, so I I believe that there are many practices out there. But Mm. it's the willingness to change and the focus on the intention that you're looking to connect to oneness, and you will find the right practice for you. And just know that if you found yoga, that's fantastic, but use it uh, in a way that resonates with you rather than this is the thing for the rest of my life that I need to get me to that place. I wake up every day and I always use this example of like, what do I want to drink this morning? Is it going to be hot? Is it going to be cold? Is it going to be coffee? Is it going to be chai tea? Is it going to be matcha? Is it going to be iced tea? Is it going to be water? Is it going to be OJ? Like what? Like I'm just... I tune into myself rather than I wake up and every morning I drink coffee because that's what I do. And that's my paradigm. And that's, (laughs) Mm. you know, we have to question our behavior and we have to switch it up and we have to constantly be tuning into ourselves to say, what practice do I need today to feel connected to the wholeness of the universe? Is it this? Is it that? Mm. Is it that? Or is it something I've never tried before? Oh, I love that. That's a great reminder. That's such a great, I love that. I just love that so much. It's so good. Um, Amazing. So past lives. Yeah. Um, So I've had a very interesting experience the last few years with past lives and um two in particular two stories in particular and i'm curious your thoughts on this so i was doing a podcast with this guy hot uh with this guy mike tyson called hot boxing former pro boxer you know the legend mike tyson and um that in itself was a very interesting soul contract relationship. Like Mike and I had spent many lives together in many forms. And, um, and I'll get back to another one of uh, that. My, this insight I had about one of our potential past lives together. But during the, the production of that podcast, one of my partners who I started that show with, he had come from Hollywood and he was very much interested in mysticism and stories of the occult 
And he had been working on a project about this guy named Jack Parsons for a long time. Jack Parsons is the father of modern rocketry. He was also a very, a very prolific figure in the occult. And weirdly, he's also my family member. My grandmother's last name is Parsons. Her name is Estelle Parsons. And I went through this process back in 2016. I came into contact with a guy who became one of my, my mentors in life after football and started by acknowledging me. He saw me in my truth and he said, Eb, you're a shaman. You're a witch. You come from a long line of these these types of people. You need to do some his you need to do a little digging and learn about your family. And at that point in my life, it was like finding a piece of the puzzle that I've been looking for for a long time. Because since I was a little kid, I've had this this curiosity, this wanting, this deep interest in the unseen realms of life. Mysticism, the occult, uh, you know, unseen energies and how they influence my life and the things that I experience that I can't explain. And so him telling me this really sparked something in me and brought something to to life and started this unfolding process that had been quieted for a long time through my football career because I was on this journey as this this football warrior, this gridiron warrior. And and pretty quickly after he told me that, my grandmother, Estelle Parsons, calls me up and she says, "Eben I want to share with you all of our family history and I'm sending you this information that's she's like I'm part of the Parsons Family Association which tracks our history from our earliest American ancestor who was a woman named Mary Bliss Parsons who came to America in 1640 with her husband Cornet Joseph Parsons they started a town in Massachusetts called Northampton, which is right by Springfield, Massachusetts. There's a Parsons family house. Mary Bliss was on trial for witchcraft three times, had 11 children. One of them was named Eben uh, because her husband was an elite in this community. She was able to get off time and time again. Um, she had feuds with all the women in the town because they believed like she was seducing her husbands and practicing black magic. And there's stories of her going to these farms and all the cattle would die and children would get sick and her husband would have to lock her in the barn at, in the middle of the night and there'd be howling and all kinds of interesting things going on. And I was like, and, I, and so I went on to read all these books. There's a bunch of books written about her and 
these diaries that she kept and and simultaneously with that I had started doing my own studying of hermetic alchemy and I kind of ca I came into books like the Kybalion and the Emerald Tablets and these things that were really starting to inform this innate understanding I have had since a little kid about the 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 function and the guiding principles of the universe the structure of this thing that we exist in and putting words to that and all of the books about Mary Bliss are like her explaining these principles cool and so it was really it was really fascinating for her for me and um she had 11 kids one of them was named Eben and he was killed in a battle with natives at the age of 21 and the whole town believed that it was her karma for dealing with the devil and all this stuff and um it was starting this this thing inside of me and so here i am fast forward a couple years and i'm doing this podcast with mike tyson and my business partner says I've been working. Actually, my brother came in one day and he started talking with my business partner and they, and he mentioned to my brother, Hey, I've been working on this project about this guy, Jack Parsons. Do you, is he related to you guys? And so Gus goes, I'm not sure. Maybe I think so. And so I go on. We start talking about it. I go on to start. I get every book I can find about Jack Parsons. And I read every single book. And I learn everything I can about his life. And basically, he was instrumental in the evolution of rocketry as we know it today. From the time he, he was basically self-taught, experimenting with, with chemicals and chemistry and and figuring out how to make jet propelled jet propulsion possible for rockets to send. And his dream was to put a man on the moon. And he had this side interest or curiosity in, in using the energy spirits to help him manifest his, this, this vision he had. And he basically, he became the, he became the, the right-hand man of this guy named Alistair Crowley, who was a very influential occult figure. And at the, at the time that Jack came to meet him, and Jack was born in LA in 1914, he died at the age of 34. He blew himself up in his garage and there's a lot of uh, mystery and darkness around his death where people think he was assassinated because when he was like 21, 22, he went on trial and um, he testified against this police lieutenant who had been putting car bombs in people's cars and blowing them up. And he put this guy away in prison. And like three days before Jack died, this guy came out of prison and so Jack was the right-hand man of this guy, Alistair Crowley, and ran the OTO, um, which uh, I'm blanking on the name of the OTO, but it was basically one of the ancient mystery schools, a spinoff of uh, 
something like the Golden Dawn or the Rosicrucians, and they would do sex magic ceremonies. And so as I'm reading this book, these books on Jack, it's striking me how how oddly familiar his struggles are. And in particular, his relationship with women, his relationship with his mother, certain aspects of his life that I feel as though in my life, I have been working through Mm -hmm. things that he experienced. And, uh, and I, and in the midst of that, you know, I had this really profound remembrance of my childhood. I was born in New York City and my parents got divorced when I was 7. My mom moved my brother and I to Los Angeles when I was t- when I was 10. And we lived in the valley in Burbank, California. And I remember that <laughs> for my dad ended up, and I, I bring this up because it's it's just sort of an integral note to this next thing I'm about to say. But my dad ended up moving out to L.A. to to see my brother and I through high school about three years after we came out here. And for whatever reason, dad would take us to Pasadena. Dad lived downtown. And on the weekends, we'd spend the weekends with my dad and he'd drive us to Pasadena. And we'd have breakfast there, walk around Old Town, whatever it was. And I remember there's this just this this interesting feeling tone. And you said something earlier, and I don't know if you were talking about me specifically or just sort of using it as a general example, but my whole life, like, I'm deeply empathic. I feel intensely. And one of the ways I receive information is through feeling tones, It's like the tone. I can't really describe it. It's just a tone. It's a feeling in my body. And that's like, that's a guiding principle of my life. I don't like, I've done two ayahuasca ceremonies and I don't see anything. I feel everything. Everything comes to me. All the information comes to me through feeling tones. And I was talking to my mom about something this morning and I was using that that vocabulary, those terms, tones, especially as it relates to dreams I've been having and the feeling tones of of what comes through in these dreams. And so my dad would drive us to Pasadena and there would be this, this excitement. There's this like highlight of going to Pasadena and Jack grew up in Pasadena. And not only that, but he grew up on Orange Grove Boulevard. And for whatever reason, For as long as I can remember, Orange Grove Boulevard, it's like this shining light in my, in my mind, in my heart of this place. It just makes me happy. Just saying it, Orange Grove, it makes me happy. And I was thinking to myself, I was having this occurrence, like, what the fuck, dude? Was this one of my past lives, being this guy, Jack Parsons? And... It was an interesting experience because, and I love, there was a note in here. I don't know if you said it or if, you know, the PR, your PR lady who, who connected us, which I'm super grateful for said it, but the line is, or maybe it was just my assistant past lives. 
EA can speak on a wide variety of topics, past lives, how to tap into your other lifetimes and use their knowledge in this life. And I think that's a really important piece of this because at first it was like there was this ego trip of, oh, I was the father of modern rocketry in a past life, you know, and like how cool that is. And what do I do with that? I'm walking around and I'm like, well, I was the father of modern rocketry in a past life. And if you say that, that seems totally insane. You know, it's like people don't, you're just like, wow, that dude's a whack job. You know what I mean? (laughs) But being able to use the knowledge of that is what I really ended up coming to. Like what's useful about that information? And it's like, well, in my own, in this lifetime of healing my relationship with women, healing my relationship with my mother, healing my relationship with the feminine, and myself in that in particular, and how that's so important for me in this life, and such a deep part of my work in this life is healing that. So there's that. And then I read this book. This book kept showing up on Instagram and through podcasts, and it's it's called... Um, Empire of the Summer Moon, and it's the story of the Comanches and this this young chief, Quanah Parker. And Quanah Parker was basically the bridge that led the Comanches out of their ancient indigenous life, and he made it possible through their surrender to the U.S. military to basically continue living on the reservations. And there was so much in that, you know, and I'm reading this book and it was the same thing. It was like reading memories and his experience with his mother. His mother was a white, was white captive that was brought into the Comanche tribe and fell in love with a war chief and they had Kwana and she basically became a Comanche and was tried they tried to rescue her numerous times and she was she just refused to go back she refused to go back to to you know the the white settler um communities and there was so much in that where I was like reading this book it wasn't like reading a book it was like reading memories. It was like reading a past life experience. And this experience he had of being on this mesa and doing this meditation, and it came to him that, you know, the only pathway was to surrender and basically take this new route in order to sustain the livelihood, the life of his tribe. And so there was that. And then with Mike... Mike and I had this really interesting relationship where Mike is surrounded by a lot of people who you know they look at Mike as a commodity they look at Mike they put him on this pedestal and they look at him as this thing to be used and to be sold and to be profited from and I always just approached him as my brother you know as someone who was my brother, you know, he was just like, that was the only way I ever saw him. And the first time I met him, he gave me a hug, like we were brothers. And 
Mike was, is fascinated by the story of Alexander the Great. And I would tell Mike, I was like, Mike, you were probably Alexander the Great in a past life. You were this young conqueror who had this insatiable appetite for dominance, who had a really volatile relationship with his mother and with women and didn't know any way but to dominate the world. And that was the only way he knew. And that was, that's been Mike's story and coming to terms with himself in this lifetime of, of, of having to conquer the world. And, um, Alexander the Great came upon this, this, um, what is this, this term? Uh, it was this guy who was completely detached from society. Uh, I forget his name. I'm blanking on his name right now. And this guy would basically, he would, he lived naked in the streets and he owned nothing and wanted nothing and needed nothing. And he would, you know, go to piss and shit in the street and masturbate in the streets. And Alexander was just fascinated with the, with this guy and told him, he was like, I'll give you whatever you want. I just want you to come with me and be a part of my, my posse and just be around me. And this guy said, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you have nothing that I want. And that, that killed Alexander because he was the one being that he couldn't seduce with all the riches and the glory and the beauty and all the things because this guy was just completely detached. And Mike and I's relationship was very much in that vein of, you know, Mike has the world at his feet, literally, like everything is provided for everywhere he goes. There's the red carpet rolled out for him. And for whatever reason, not even that, that I just never had any interest in that. And it was always sort of like something I wasn't seduced by and I wasn't really going to go the whole way with Mike because I wasn't interested in that, you know? And it was thinking, I was thinking to myself like, oh, this is one of Mike and I's storylines together is that I'm, I just approach him as a human being and love him as that. And I'm not interested in all the, the gold and the glitz and the glory and the beauty and all the, all the luxuries of this life. So I'm interested in hearing your perspective on what I said, but also as it relates to when, how do we, you know, what is the deciphering thing of a past life or how do they occur to us? I guess is my question. Yeah. I mean, I love that. I love all of your experiences. And uh, I think past lifetimes are so fascinating. I think they're so important. I think that they're a bridge for so many things, especially for understanding our current life dynamics. Um, mm. And it, and I really resonated with like everything that you were, you've experienced and that you were going through. And um 
there's there's so much that I could say on that, but <laughs> I, I want to validate one thing for sure is, you know, as we were mentioning before, it really just takes kind of questioning your current reality. Like, have I lived before? And you really open mm. those doors to experience the truth of, yes, indeed, you have. So for me, you know, I have that direct connection to other people's Akashic records in their past lifetimes and my own past lifetimes. And I can see that very visually and very clearly. And for a lot of other people, when they ask a question like, uh, have I lived before or who have I lived as? Picking up a book um, and, and reading your own story is something that I have experienced a couple of times from clients of mine um, re-experiencing mm. like, this one guy that I was in university with, uh, philosophy major, and he was spouting off this incredible philosophy. And I said, oh, did you read that in a book? He said, no, this is my own philosophy. And I'm like, oh, well, this, you know, and I channel it. I'm like, well, where is this coming from? And I tap into this. Uh, I see him as an old man uh, writing with a scroll in a study, huge like library study. And I said, oh, my God, you look like this, uh, this one philosopher. Um, and I said the name. I forget who it was. And he was in the library, the student library, the next week, and he picked up this book and he's like, oh, my God, these are my words. And he he recognized that as his own book that he wrote, you know, um, wow. a century beforehand. And so it's it's uh -huh. rare to have that, but it's important for people to understand that just because you cannot necessarily see right now doesn't necessarily mean that you can't get connected. So the ways in which that you've been connected is really fascinating and really, once again, I think is a great um, experience for other people to know that when you meet someone, you're like, wow, like I've never met you before, but I have animosity towards you, or I've never met you before, mm. and I feel like you're my sister or my mother or, you know, that those energies. Um, I think it's, yes. it's, that's really fascinating, and we have to be tuning into that. Um, and I want to, I want to mention like what you can connect with from past lives, but I have a really funny story. So like many years ago, I was like dating and I was like on Tinder and like all those really awful freaking <laughs> swiping sites or whatever. So I ended up connecting yeah. with this, this guy and, you know, like the attraction was there at a physical level. But for whatever reason, anytime we would have any sort of intimacy, it could be just like a kiss or holding hands, it felt wrong. I'm like, why does this feel so wrong? Mm. And so usually I don't tap into to past lifetimes or energy without someone's permission. Like I've really learned that it's important to kind of bring another person into that energy. Anyway, I had to tap into it because I think he would have probably thought I was really weird if I'm like, yo, can I tap into our past lives for a sec? But I did. And <laughs> yeah. um and we were brother and sister in a past life. I'm like, well, here's mm. the vibe, you know, and we just couldn't get past yeah. that same vibe in this lifetime. So it really does um, have a lot to do with past life interactions. And I do want to mention for most people, even just listening to this, and especially your community who have been drawn to your vibe in particular, because you are a mere reflection of your own community. Um, I believe mm. that almost everyone in your life is someone from a past life. Like people think it's a super yeah. rare phenomenon, but as a matter of fact, I believe everyone's got some sort of history with you. It's a really big mm. world and you chose I specifically, you contracted to be born into the right family at the right time in the right place for a specific reason. And you surrounded and met certain people for a reason as well. Right. Um, so mm. I, I just mm. wanted to bring that up as well. 
Now, just kind of to your points, um, I have also experienced other people who have incarnated in the same family line, but it's it's much more rare, let's say, uh, to reincarnate mm. into the same family line. Um, but it, it definitely does happen. Like I've even uh, channeled situations where the grandfather uh, in one of my clients in the past, uh, the grandfather was reincarnated into his what was it? Was it his son's or his grandson's child? And they were twin girls. And she mm. she would, you know, wow. dote on the grandmother and say, oh, I, I you know, I want to give you some licorice and your favorite licorice or whatever. And it was just so interesting. And she knew everything that this grandfather knew and recognized all of his friends and knew how to play chess, oddly enough. And, you know, it's just so interesting. But that does happen. Um, so here's what I want to mention to people who are aware of past lifetimes or are aware of these connections. Uh, past lives are like just because you were connected to this like rocket guy doesn't necessarily mean that your lifetime needs to be about rockets, right? And that's not necessarily right, something right. that you have to pull into this life. Um, I do want to mention, just I want to plant a seed with you because I did get this strange feeling when you were talking about that guy. Um I feel like there's this like whole other world that you haven't fully opened up to. Like as always, take it or leave it. Mm. But I feel like he may have said that he was getting information from like spirits on the other side. But I believe that a lot of his connections to get to the equations that he was getting to actually came from interdimensional connections. So I really feel like you mm. have some pretty strong like cosmic connections that you haven't fully like opened the door to but i just wanted to like mm. plan to see because i feel like he had those cosmic connections that he never felt comfortable speaking up on and i feel like that's mm. just a whole area for you to explore um but what we can learn it's from interesting past you life. say yeah. that yeah because i've been i've been really tuning into that okay cool well Lately. maybe we Maybe we yeah, have to have a whole other really conversation. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will. I think you'll be back, Elizabeth. Yeah, for sure. I think you'll be back. So so from past lives, there's two main things. Um, of course, we can bring through like different skills, like whether it be languages or musical instruments or whatever, um, we can bring back those skills. I haven't really fine-tuned into that quite yet. Uh, there's a there's a flashback of a past life where I was this like old man with this like long white beard and I was playing the harmonica by a fire like no one's business and I bought a mm. harmonica after that because I'm like this is badass like and I have no musical like bone in my body in this life and I just couldn't for the life of me bring uh -huh. that skill back right so you know it, it takes some time to really tune out of this life tune into those skills but the two things uh, two things from past lives are one is karmic closure and completion. So what you need to ask, which mm. it seems like you've already asked, is what didn't I learn that I still need to learn mm -hmm. from those past lives? And you're doing the work with the divine feminine energies, right? And then the second yeah. thing is, um, you know, so it's karmic closure and then it's lessons learned uh, or lessons needing to learn. So what can I close mm. from that past lifetime and what can I learn from that past lifetime? And then you can ask yourself, what am I closing in this lifetime and what am I learning in this lifetime? And the learning and the lessons is always new. The karma is always, it's always recycled in that sense. So it's like, mm. 
Like, for example, if you keep attracting the same romantic partner over and I'm like, why do you keep attracting the same person over and over, same relationships? Um, you know, you can really ask yourself and tune in, you know, what is the karmic lesson that I haven't learned that I need to learn? And what I always find with completing karma is the second that you recognize what it is that you're learning or needing to learn is when that door opens when you can close that door, right? But mm. it's the recognition and the awareness that will really get you there. So in order to understand without even seeing past lifetimes or understanding past lives, look at your own life, look at your own repeated patterns, look at your own repeated behaviors, look at how you're stuck in your own life, um, and then ask yourself, what is the lesson that I'm trying to learn that I've repeated? And most likely you've repeated that from many, many lifetimes. Um, and then what feels really new to me that I feel like I want to learn or gain access to some sort of experience that I feel like I've never learned before because you're super awkward or uncomfortable or, you know, you, you feel out of place doing that certain thing. Yeah. So I, I think if we all kind of look at our lives in those ways, um, we can rapidly excel through uh, what we're here to do. Mm. I love that. That's so good. So good. Um, Elizabeth, thank you so much. This has been so fun. I feel like we could talk all day. Uh, you're the best. I, I think that you'd be, I'd love to have you on again to dive into some other really interesting stuff, tuning into angels and spirits and interdimensional beings and all of that good stuff. I think that would be amazing. Um, yeah, just thank you so much. And before I let you go, let everybody know where they can find you, uh, where to book some time with you if they're interested in your services or just follow you on social media. Please let them know all that good stuff. For sure. So I don't actually take on any more one-on-one -on -one clients. So it's funny, every time mm. I bring up client work, people, oh, I get a rush of emails and I have to let them down. Um, I need a, I need some time. <laughs> so, but I, I did just launch uh, my first book in 2021 and it's called You're Not Dying, You're Just Waking Up. And it's all about the stages of an awakening. So it goes through depression, it goes through anxiety, it goes through all of the modalities, and then it gets into quantum physics, and it gets into your soul mission, it gets into interdimensionals, and it gets into simultaneous time. And, and you know, as you go through the book, it's a, a very easy read, because the way that I explain things is very open and conversational. Um, but it is a complete overview of anyone's spiritual awakening. So check that out. That's on Amazon. Just type in my name, Elizabeth April, on Amazon. Um, and then I do have my very own uh, censorship-free membership platform. And I do like coaching calls to a whole group of people. So I do one-on-one -on -one mm. channeling, but in a, in a kind of closed group setting uh, for my membership. So the membership's called Cosmic Society, and you can find that on my website. And that's something that I'm just really passionate about because I get to bring people in from all over the world and create a community and a safe space to explore everything without the cult-like sort of vibe behind it. So that's kind of what I'm gearing up towards. That's what I'm working on right now. And I'm halfway through my second book. So that should be coming out in 2023. And uh, other than that, it's just Elizabeth April on all the social platforms. Mm, amazing. So good. Thank yeah. you so much, Elizabeth. I'll have all of that in the show notes 
for you guys to check out. Um, thank you again. This was a really awesome conversation. And I think yeah. people will get a lot out of it. Uh, thank um, you. So thank you, Elizabeth. And uh, all right, y'all. Hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Lots of love to all of you. And I'll see y'all on the flip side. Peace.